The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Neil Warnock as Forrest Gump, holding down Ben White and forcing him to watch Premier League years 2003-04. Can a team return to losing ways? What's the maximum number of times two sides could theoretically play each other in a single season? Referees in jeans and 40 goal thrillers in the 16th tier of the English pyramid excellent footballing small talk in 6 out of 10 sky dramas brought to your ears by The Athletic this is Football Clichés Hello everyone and welcome to episode 104 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all is David Walker. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. You? Yeah, I'm very well actually. Um, people might perceive this as blowing our own trumpet but... Um, but I, th- I think it's worth exploring. Um, football cliches broke into the the big six uh, of a of at least one podcast chart. Really, this week. I feel like you're the man who should play down our well Champions League podcast hopes. So we broke into the top six. We yeah. I, I don't. So I think the the, the analogy <laughs> falls down there. If we we were brief, see where you're going. briefly in the top six, but I don't think we're yet a member of the big six. <laughs> no, quite right. Who are the big six? Uh, totally Guardian, Football Ramble. Fine. Um, it depends which chart you're looking at, though. So then, you know, let's just throw in the Athletic Football podcast in there for brand loyalty. Mm. So that's four. Yeah. And yeah. then probably five lives, Football Daily. And then the fifth, the sixth places could be up for grabs. I mean, Ben Foster's sort of... Crouchy doesn't care, does he? The, I, I don't think he does anymore. I think he's beyond that. He's got. He's yeah. he's in a different stratosphere altogether, mm. really. And I don't know when the last series was, anyway. So I I think mm. it's those five, and then the sixth spot is there. Could be I'm, ours. I'm, I'm getting carried away. I'm saying lockdown parenting hell. We're coming for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, won't, I won't get carried away. Maybe it was just the Ralph Ineson effect. I don't know. Um, let's see what the Nick Miller effect is like, though. However, good evening to you, Nick. Good evening. Anyway, I have a, a quick-fire brace of questions for you, Nick Miller. Question one, have you heard Neil Warnock doing an impression of Forrest Gump? I have, yes. It was um, uh, sent to me in three WhatsApp groups the first thing this morning. Okay, well, that, that leads me to slightly edit question two. Is Would you like to hear it again? <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic. I, I was look, I was watching Forrest Gump last night, Mark. You know, have you seen that one of tourist films? And he said, uh, I thought, just like myself, it's like, my team is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> You've got an empty box of chocolates. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> so I thought, well, it's instead of instead of life is like a box of chocolates, it's my team. <laughs> I've not seen the full-length clip before. I just, yeah, that's I, the full club mix in the Warnock's <laughs> Forest Gump, Dave. Um, I mean... 
my favourite bit of that was, you know, clearly going to be him doing the impression itself, but uh, maybe him explaining it afterwards is even yeah. better. Yeah, well, because I really liked um, I, the 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 sort of implication before he did the impression, it's explaining which what Forrest Gump was like. This is kind of obscure indie film that yeah. you know he yeah. he's dug out. He's been watching on movie, um, you know. <laughs> Very good, but like the bloke who was on the lot was it a journalist? I assume at a press conference, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. Sort of tried to do a bit of a gag off the back of it. I don't think Neil quite got it. Yeah. And then had to explain it again. Bless him. There is enough, you know, obviously we, we know Neil Warnock has this manic, fiery, ref-baiting presence on the touchline. <laughs> and a well-deserved reputation that even he wouldn't deny. But there is a softer side to Neil that I think we've seen come out there. And I, in the dim and distant past, about 10 years ago, when I, when I first started working at TalkSport, one of the first shows I ever did, I think, was when Warnock, I think he was QPR manager at the time, and he used to come in on a Sunday and do a show with Alan Brazil on a Sunday afternoon. And I was like on the phones for a few weeks do, on, uh, during this show. And he would come in and he'd like go around the office with like a, with like a Tupperware, quite large Tupperware oh, box full of, full of sandwiches like that his wife had made him. And he'd sort of offer them round. He'd, how many sandwiches are we talking here? Decent amount. Enough for enough for him and a few other people to get involved. I thought you were going to go with the classic, um, a classic a box of expensive donuts gambit for for the. Oh um, no! You know, but but that's that's lovely. Oh, that's 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 really that's really quite touching. Right. What, what I mean, are we talking sort of egg and cress that kind of thing? I do. Yeah. I think che- there was a lot of cheese involved. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some. Maybe some ham and pickle. So life indeed is like a Tupperware box of homemade sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Too many homemade sandwiches. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and, and certainly a nice touch, a, a sign of a manager really winding down his footballing existence. So let's kick off the adjudication panel then. Um, so many things to get through today. Um, some brilliant, some slightly obscure, some increasingly tenuous, but it doesn't matter. Let's start. Um, Dave, we had... Um, famed student of the game Jamie Carragher on recently if there is an opposite end of the spectrum perhaps Arsenal's Ben White has provided it he is very much not a student of the game as this clip suggests do you know much about Patrick Vieira have you seen him play no I didn't ever watch football when I was younger um still don't know um just love the game I was always playing it never watching um so I don't know too much about um older generations and I know he's a very good player, um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't know the, the details. I'm always, I'm quite busy. I'm always keeping myself busy. I'm doing something. Um, yeah, it doesn't. I wouldn't just go and watch a, sit down and watch a game. Right, got a few questions there. Sure. <laughs> I can understand a footballer like growing perhaps tired of football or you know being a professional footballer and wanting to distance himself. I, I don't sit around listening to podcasts all day every day. <laughs> about football it's not so. because you know I don't want to hear people chatting about football be other, above, too much above and beyond my professional capacity but I was interested in radio and that sort of stuff before I did it <laughs> so like how I can't understand how a young kid could get into football without watching football I, I completely agree I mean Nick I, I've always been slightly interested by the, the concept of professional footballers who don't like football um I, I i find that i mean i also completely understand in some cases why that would be you know it's busman's holiday and that sort of stuff but i'm slightly annoyed by this concept that um someone who's so clearly incredibly good at football 
just has no interest in watching it. I just feels like I don't know. It just seems massively unfair. I know loads. I was watching 101 <laughs> Great Goals every day when I was seven. Why aren't I a Premier League footballer? <laughs> It's uh, there's a sort of I don't know if this is being too harsh, but it kind of speaks of a sort of if you're playing football and he, he, you know you start off he, presumably he would have started off very young he would have been it's you know as a kid if you're playing football do you not is it does it not speak to a sort of real lack of curiosity that you don't think well I'm playing this but there must be some people who are really really good at this so maybe I'll watch them to see how I can yeah. be really really good at this yeah. as well. Imagine how good it know. could have been. Imagine how good it could have been. Um, it's, it's like you transfer it to anything else. Like imagine if he was like some virtuoso guitarist. Like, I don't really listen to music, really. Just, <laughs> that would again just would play be, it. I think that would be even more. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the, 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 there is a sort of there's a, there is a um, you could go down a rabbit hole here, but the, 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 there's a, you could argue there's a sort of purity to it in that he's, he, he clearly would never have been emulating anyone. Mm. When when Cristiano Ronaldo first sort of well when he he'd been in the Man United team for a couple of years, there was a spate of young Man United players who clearly wanted to be Cristiano Ronaldo, mm. who were just copying him, uh, copying his technique for free kicks and corners and everything like that. Um, Lee Martin, the, the 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 later Lee Martin, not the one that sure. yeah. Um, was was one in particular. So and, and Chris Eagles as well was quite similar. Mm. Um, so there's I, I don't know. There is something quite nice that he, he he wasn't clearly wasn't trying to be someone. He was just wanted to be really good at football. I mean, I mean to an extent, Dave, I admire the honesty of, of Ben White. I mean, he's, hmm. he's given a straight answer here. He hasn't pretended to know who who you know Patrick Vieira was in a, to to any reasonable extent. Um, but you know, I'm still annoyed by the nonchalance of it. You know, just you know, didn't really watch football. And and then, obviously, again, slightly forgivable, not knowing the ins and outs of Patrick Vieira's game. But I, I feel like strapping him to a chair and forcing him to watch Premier League years 03-04, like Clockwork Orange style, and say, you bloody will know about football. You bloody will. <laughs> like some sort of some okay. sort of torture method, just yeah, on loudspeakers. Just <laughs> Andy Gray reverberating around the room. <laughs> He'd learn a little bit about popular music of the time as well, so we'd all win. We'd all win. Uh, imagine, yeah. he, imagine Ben White just suddenly getting really into football. Uh, as What's he doing, though, as well? He's just sort of chucked in at oh, the end. Oh, busy, I'm just keeping busy. He's busy. busy. I'm always yeah, doing busy. stuff. What? What stuff are you doing? Golf. Rubbish. <laughs> um, but he's never watched anyway. the Masters. He's just really good yeah. at it. Um, yeah. That is the first of many scandals that we're going to cover today. Um, secondly, Nick, uh, perhaps they just do things differently up there. I mean, this isn't the first time we've had a little dig at the way um, the Scottish people wrestle with the language of football. But um, BBC Sports Scotland on Twitter at the weekend said Livingston recorded their first away win in the league this season as Stop Start St Johnston returned to losing ways in the Scottish Premiership. I've been wrestling with this a lot. What's your immediate take? I, I mean, I mean, you know... It's, it's simply the opposite to what we're normally used to. Is, it, is, that, is that a problem? Are you, do you have a problem with no, it? No, I, I don't think there's an, an inherent problem with it. I think it's, it, the utilisation of it is is key, though, because it would have to have been a defeat after one victory, which had come after four or five defeats. Bang on. Bang on. It's, I, mean, that, that's, it, I don't have any problem with the concept. It's just how it's used is, is quite important. Well, like, uh, are, are, you, are you now going to tell me that it was just that it was after a series of draws or something? Well, I mean, here, here is, the, here is um, St. Johnston's last six games. Loss, win, win, loss, win, and then the loss in question. That, isn't, that couldn't be defined as returning to losing ways. So, so, you know, on a pure definition basis... You know, it doesn't work, but Dave, I'm I'm troubled by the concept itself. 
Nick's fine with it, apparently. But um, it, it, it feels like it's open. It's opening teams to ridicule slightly. It feels like it's just slightly gently taking the piss out of them, saying, oh, returning to losing words. Well, yeah, <laughs> Can't I, say that. It, it, I, I've just got like an image in my head of a pre-match press conference and someone's going, well, of course, you'll be looking to get back to losing ways today, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> I just... If- it feels like the sort of thing that a, a For My Sins fan would say. Oh, my lot are returning to losing ways this weekend. Yeah, yeah you know, the, more, the more I hear it, the more happy I am with it, more comfortable I am with it. It's just, um, it's just the idea that that could be a team's default status or, or the status that they're aiming for. I just feel like that's why the opposite doesn't quite work. But, you know, as I say, devolution in football language uh, clearly working right out there. You carry on. You just carry on butchering. The language of football. Um, Farcical <laughs> scenes elsewhere, Dave, in the 16th tier of the English football pyramid. This is news from the Chroma Sport, Peterborough and District Football League Division 5. Peterborough Rangers edging past eight-man Sautry reserves by 40 goals to nil. 40 nil? 40. Are they, Silly. Are there really 60, that many? I thought it sort of stopped at some point. 16 tiers. The official English football pyramid, the system goes down to 20. Wow. 20. Step 20. Okay. This is fine. So we're not far off the bottom here. 40 nil. What's the, um, how many, what is that per minute? <laughs> wow. Um, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's about a goal every two minutes, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> we were hoping for something a little bit more precise, I think. I don't know. Um, more detail though, uh, Dave. Rangers player manager Dwayne Rankin bagged 13. 13? Himself. 13 goals. Yeah, he did. He did an interview on the on BBC Radio saying how how happy he was with his with his haul of goals and all credit to his team for for carrying on playing the right way despite you know he said it could, they could have all got very individual about it but they still carried on playing the right way and he gave full credit to the eight men of Sawtree Reserves. Oh, eight um, men. Yeah, I want to set the scene a little bit more here, Nick. There was a referee in jeans. <laughs> Why is that so funny? I don't know. I'm looking at a picture of it. He's just sauntering around in jeans. Does he have a referee's top on though? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no. He's he's wearing a <laughs> he's wearing a nondescript kind of light sweatshirt, white trainers, and jeans. This is like all sounding. Taking... This this shouldn't be of an official game. This <laughs> is an unsanctioned no, no, match. This should be. <laughs> Um, there's a huge kick clash as well, which I suspect probably contributed to the to the heavy scoreline. But um, digging a little deeper. Uh, Nick Sawtree Reserves had a David May among their number. I wonder if it's the, oh. I wonder if it's him. Is it is it is it is it him? <laughs> no. I mean, he must be in his fifties by now. Yeah, I I, I imagine he was celebrating with uh, with the uh, Peterborough Rangers squad, nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> jumping on their backs afterwards. A very credit. very a very very minor issue I have here is. Um, did you say that the league was called the Peterborough and something league? Peterborough and District have, Football League, yeah, Division Five. I have, a, I, I don't know why, but I have a small problem with a team in the Peterborough District League being called Peterborough, <laughs> like Peterborough Rovers. I don't know. Uh, that, that it just doesn't seem right to me. Mm, I don't know why. Just too much of a monopoly for you, is it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. Um, Dave, you'll be reassured to know that Sawtree Reserves aren't even bottom of the league; they're second bottom, but they do have the worst goal difference. Wow. Do do, um, do we know whether uh, with the possible exception of the goalkeeper, every player from Peterborough scored. Imagine being uh, the one player who didn't score in a 40 0 victory. 
Well, <laughs> funnily enough, the um, the player manager and top scorer did actually run through all the goal scorers in his radio interview. Um, he got 13, someone else got 11, someone else got 7. So I'm, I'm suspecting the goals were not shared round particularly uh, equitably. But I, I, all I can think about, Dave, is referee in jeans. <laughs> <laughs> that should be happening I mean, in the 16th you should... tier of a developed, fo- developed country's football system. You set the tone as a referee. For the standards, the general overall standards of the game, and look what happened on your watch. I mean, but and then Nick, you know, if we think about this a lot more, the idea of referees wearing shorts and pulled-up socks is actually slightly ridiculous. Maybe they should be able to wear jeans. I mean, you see where manager wear is going. Maybe referees are just going to go that way too. Oh, I don't care either. Fine. Don't don't yeah. encourage. Don't give Mike Dean any any encouragement. <laughs> He'll turn up in a bloody tuxedo or something next week. <laughs> he's already he, dancing he, out. <laughs> he's definitely he's definitely a sort of pre-distressed jeans man. I think Mike Mike Dean. Yeah, um, yeah, sort of slim fit. Yeah. Uh, maybe not boot cut. However, I think he's post. No, I, po- I, no, I, I think he's very boot cut. I think he, I think he used to be a boot cut, but he's he's kind of moved on a little bit these mm. days. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. One for a future episode. Which Premier League referee probably has the best genes? Uh, <laughs> save that one for a later date. Don't want to use up all our good ideas. Um, speaking of which, potential scandal, which I am have entitled a subtle but significant Salford City scarf scandal. Salford City announced the other day we have signed goalkeeper Connor Ripley on an emergency seven-day loan from Preston North End after an injury to Tom King. No big deal there. Quite a little spot of special dispensation there. All very nice. They unveiled him. They've unveiled their <laughs> goalkeeper on a seven-day loan. He, uh, they took a picture of him in the stands with a scarf around his neck. You can't do that for a seven-day no. emergency what's, loan. What's the point? Is he, he going to keep the scarf forever? Just give it back in seven days' just, time? The real subtle issue here, Nicky, is just slightly too much. It's not like they they didn't parade him. You know, didn't have the shirt? No. Didn't have him signing nope. the contract or anything. Just scarf around the neck for a seven-day loan. Nah. Was, was, was there a sort of snazzy social media clip to to you know unveil him? No? Not as far as I can see. Not as far as I can see. Um, so all, all I can see, uh, this is via Tommy it, Smith, who says, I'm not sure how I feel about this. I feel a photo in front of the badge would have been more appropriate. I agree. He does smack of like, oh, we've got to take a photo of him. Um, oh, have you got any? I haven't got any shirts. Oh, that, that scarf will do. Chuck that I around. I don't think you. there's any irony here. I don't think there was any irony involved here at all. No. Um, I just yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it, but uh, yeah, seven day loans. You're not part of the, you're not really part of the club. So, I'm David Ornstein, and you can read my in-depth interview with the former Arsenal, Chelsea, and now very much current AC Milan striker Olivier Giroud on the Athletic right now. Giroud tells me about his battle to prove people wrong, literally since birth, nine years in the Premier League, and his relationships with Arsene Wenger, Frank Lampard, and Thomas Tuchel, the highs and lows of France, yes, that Karim Benzema rivalry, and plenty more besides. And if you fancy seeing the interview, and come on, why wouldn't you want to watch a 15-minute video of Olivier Giroud shot in the fashion capital of Italy? You can find it on the Athletic UK YouTube channel. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Absurd scenes this week, Dave. In the world of kickoff times, a son named Bort says, is it okay to be genuinely quite outraged by Celtic's Europa League game not only being on a Tuesday, but also kicking off at 3.30pm? 
Rob Sutton adds to that. Thoughts on the fact that not only is Leicester's Europa League game this week being played on a Wednesday, but it is a 3.30pm kickoff. Celtic are at home to Ferenc Varosh. <coughs> They're at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in which case exactly. it's a hard no. If Leicester admittedly are away to Spartak Moscow. Yeah, OK, so mo- your Eastern European, your Russia's... Ukraine, Belarus, anywhere in that part of the world, fine, I can get it. Celtic are at home on Tuesday at 3.30. That is mental. Who's going to go? I mean, who's going to be there? The Celtic one in particular is is very troubling for me, Nick, because, I mean, that's school kicking out time. The police <laughs> haven't thought this through at all. <laughs> well, you think, think the police have to uh, have to kind of marshal school kicking out time in Glasgow? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it can get gets a bit spicy, but um... a thousand kids in in full uniform rampaging to Celtic Park to watch a Europa League game. It's a it's a recipe for disaster. That's all I'm saying. Elsewhere, in fixture chaos territory, Nick. These two teams must be sick of the sight of each other. Cheltenham says George Hall have been drawn against Gillingham in the FA Cup, and they're playing each other two weeks after that. And they were also drawn against each other in the Carabao. So I'm making that four meetings this season. Fairly modest. But it, it did get me thinking. Could like, have a replay. Re- oh, they could have a replay, couldn't they? Mm. That's potentially five. We're not counting abandonments or anything like that. It did get me thinking, though, Nick. I know this is very Guardians the knowledge, but what's the theoretical maximum number of meetings between two teams in one season? Have we still got double-legged Carabao Cup semi-finals? Yeah. We we? Yeah. So you could have... Uh, and uh, are there re- are there now replays? I'm sorry, I'm just gonna I'm just now just going through the rules of every That's cup fine. competition. That's fine. Let's do so, this. Yeah, so like do- replay in the because they get rid of replays after the fifth round, is there, something like that. So let's say replay in the third round of the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Two. Let's say so. That's two. Say yeah, you meet each other in the Carabao Cup semi-finals. There's another two. Yeah. Let's Four. let's also say that these two teams are. The previous season's Premier League and FA Cup winners, so Community Shield. Five. Uh, and get to the latter stages of a European competition, which would also have two legs Seven. in the knockout stages, plus your league. Um, maybe they could meet in the European Super Cup as well. Yeah, because they yep. both won the European so, trophies the season before. Let's have the league meetings, that's nine, ten for the Super Cup. Um, and, and if they were Scottish teams, they would have to play each other four times yeah, but then they don't have the Community Shield thing, do they? Is that uh, all the FA Cup? Not? I don't know. Stupid no, Scotland. Not, without not Scotland. Shield. Forget about Scotland. We're talking about English teams here. <laughs> Ten times. Ten times. Although I'm pretty sure Liverpool and Chelsea met 14 times in 2006 7. So. Also, what about if their under 23 teams were in the um, no. Papa John's? <laughs> no, that doesn't count. Definitely doesn't count. Come on. Um, Very ridiculous. A, a potential other one um, the much, the, the often kind of trailed, never realised single game playoff if, there were, if they finish like exactly level on uh, at the top of the league or something. Fantastic. Fantastic. This, um, th- let's, just, let's just have a sanity check here. This could all happen. This could, the, yeah. all these stars could align. Yeah, this is this is all perfectly plausible. Yeah, nothing, I mean, mm. yeah, I mean, these two teams dominating the English English game, but that's fine. <laughs> Eleven times in one season, and then finishing with the incredible climax of a playoff to decide who wins the Premier League title. We're, we're basically describing English football in about fifty years when it's just Newcastle, or Manchester City. <laughs> um, Everyone else it, is it, gone. Yeah, absolutely. If, if anyone could even stomach the idea of watching two teams play each other eleven times live on uh, terrestrial or paid for TV. Um, but can actually advance us from 11, then please do get in touch. But that that would be 
frankly astonishing, wouldn't it, Nick? They wouldn't be. Al- they're not allowed to play each other in the group stages of a, the no. Europe, are they? No, can't unless, play each other. Okay. unless didn't it happen when they had to fudge it when Chelsea won it in 2012? So the next season, you did have to have two English clubs in the same group, or was that just a makeshift little fudge that they will never ever have to do again? I think they would find a reason not to do that. But if they did do that, that might invalidate our theoretical European Super Cup game, or maybe Why? not. Oh, because you're saying they've won. You're saying they've won Same the season. They've won the and championship. And they can still meet in the knockouts later on, presumably. So yeah, probably and, a step yeah. too far. I think we should stick yeah. with eleven. But if anyone yeah. else can work out that permutation, please do let us know. Please do. If we can stretch this into a second episode, I'd be, I'd be absolutely fantastic. Um, back onto more familiar territory, Dave. Um, we're, we're big fans on this podcast of um, authentic or inauthentic football small talk in TV programmes, aren't we? Yes. Yes, you know, we are. We are. And, you know, often our focus is on sort of unconvincing, slightly wooden small talk that really doesn't betray a great deal of appreciation of the beautiful game. This one, however, this is from Ed Quotha Raven, who points me in the direction of um, 6 out of 10 Sky Drama Cobra Cyber Ooh, Wars. Being a little bit harsh on it there. Oh, uh, IMDb says so 6.1 out of 10. Oh, I don't okay. have, you know. um, uh, just to set the scene here, these are two people who appear to be trapped on a wind farm pylon. And uh, classic situation, uh, Nick, one is trying to keep the other one alive by, um, you know, basically small talk in the cold. And uh, this is what they had. This is what they came up with. Where are you from, love? Originally from Bermondsey. Then we moved out to Rochester. I bet your old man's proper wall, right? More Millwall in Rochester than Bermondsey now. Mm. Nah, the game's gone though, isn't it? Money men killed it. No, no, no. Get yourself down to a lower league game. It's still a good laugh. Sometimes me and my brother go to Fisher FC. It's lovely at night if you look out. You stop talking! That, that third figure there, interrupting what was very promising um, unfolding footballing small talk there, Dave. I'm quite, I'm quite upset about this, I have to say, because okay. I have literally watched the first episode of this series last night and I'm trying to work out whether this is a spoiler or, or not because <laughs> what the definitely what she, that character definitely mentioned Millwall in the episode I watched last night. Oh, but I thing. don't think it was that conversation. And then she did appear to die at the end of the episode. So... Does that mean oh she actually comes? didn't die? Is there more footballing small talk coming on later on? I don't know. Could be a flash. Could be a flashback. Maybe, maybe. But it's but but by by the standards of this of the many we've had uh, examples we've had on this podcast, this has got to be right up there, isn't it? Really, it it is right up there. I mean, let's 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 examine the individual ingredients here. Um, chat about um, peripheral issues like money in the game, fans being priced out, that sort of stuff. Game's gone. Yeah, game's gone. Yeah, very good. Um, you know, going all the way down to Southern Counties East Football League Premier outfit Fisher FC, like that. Um, Even talking about the sort of migration of traditional Millwall fans out of London to mm, Kent. However, however, they uh, she used the phrase lower league. That's not perfect. It was non-league. It'd be non-league, wouldn't it? I mean, nitpicking aside, this is right at the, we on this is right at the top, isn't it? This is right at the top of the uh, the subgenre. Well, on lower league though, because that that phrase annoys me sometimes when I hear it. What I've heard people describe lower league as like, well, let's do a lower league roundup now, and it's like League One and League Two. And I, I for me, lower league is non-league. Lo- lower league is League One and League Two. Oh, is it? Though? Yeah. Not for me. Very specifically, League One and League Two. It's not Championship. You can't. The Championship isn't lower league. No, but yeah. I don't. I don't. I'm not even comfortable with it as, as 
League One, League Two. For me, it's non-league and below. Non-league is non-league. It's already got a word. What are you talking about? <laughs> Next up, Tom writes in and says, was the Ben Johnson banter during Everton versus West Ham the closest to the bone that Sky Sports commentary has ever been? Uh, th- this was an interesting exchange during Super Sunday between Daniel Mann and Jamie Carragher. They were talking about the... Um, Uh, West Ham fullback, Ben Johnson. The interesting thing to keep an ear out for here is the length of the silence after the joke, which I think may be a PB. Last Premier League game Ben Johnson started was uh, West Ham's last away defeat at Newcastle in April. Well, he should have the pace to deal with him with a name like that, shouldn't he? (laughs) Yes, let's let's hope uh, it's natural pace. Away. There we are. So, yeah, um, just just some, just some live banter there, Nick, about um, uh, a doping scandal from thirty odd years ago. I think uh, I'm not. I'm not sure whether Carragher's "Oh, you, you can't go there" reaction was quite was it was a little bit overplayed. I mean, it's not. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think anyone's think anyone's going to think he's seriously suggesting that West Ham fullback Ben Johnson is roided up to the eyeballs. No, I don't think anybody is thinking that. Absolutely not. I mean, Dave, there was there was safer ground he could have gone on. Of course, he could have picked the towering literary figure and playwright Benjamin Johnson, born fifteen seventy two, died sixteen thirty seven. That would have been that would have been safer, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I think he probably would have needed someone like I don't know Peter Drury with him for for <laughs> yeah. that one. To really spin the, out the joke, yeah. Highly rated commentator Peter Drury, yes. I completely agree. Uh, hi, Peter, if you're listening again. Um, no, I just, I just, I really enjoyed it, Nick. I, I, and but yeah, the the icing on the cake was the uh, what should we do next? Silence, which I think is, which I think is my favourite piece of footballing audio generally. I don't know if it was deliberate, but I think that gap was about ten point one, ten point two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. It was actually seven. Um, just, just, just to be absolutely clear, it was about seven seconds. Um, next up, Dave and Nick. Of course, we had a chat last week about watching football at the pub, and uh, we all enjoyed uh, the pint glass in the corner of the screen. Everyone is so familiar with. In Italy, of course, it's the martini glass that we learned. Daniel Walters writes in. So I watched the uh, Manchester United game on B in Sports in Dubai. And they have a cup of tea in the corner of the screen. Nice. The full set of beverages now. A full, a full okay. train trolley cart of uh, possibilities here. A nice little touch. I didn't know about that. And uh, but yeah, Daniel Walters, thanks for alerting us to that. Now our final item. I really like to highlight the the wild weekend of Jonathan Pierce. It kicked off on Saturday lunchtime. Dave, uh, Sam writes in with. How many Match of the Day viewers are familiar with US country singer Casey Musgraves' 2012 song Merry-Go-Round? Is managing Watford really like living in a rural American town? Who had Jonathan Pierce down as a modern country and western fan? Let's hear it. Very odd intro. As Casey Musgraves sung, where it stops nobody knows, but it ain't slowing down this Merry-Go-Round. Claudio Ranieri, the latest to hop on board, and the immediate omens are good. I must confess, I've never heard of Casey Musgraves. I'm more of a Garth Brooks fan, personally. You look a bit like him as well, I think, don't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, if you have, if no one's listened to um, his fantastic album, In Pieces, then I suggest you give it a try. Um, uh, Nick, big Casey Musgraves fan or not? Uh, I can't say I'm familiar with her oeuvre, though. Although, I, I, I'm i not surprised that Pierce is, uh, is into that kind of thing. I, I imagine him to have sort of quite... 
liberal tastes. You know, he, he, he's he's got some kind of heavy metal. He's got some country, little a little bit of jazz maybe. Uh, he had a reggae phase. I think he's 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 got a kind of fairly Catholic taste. <laughs> Interesting way of putting it. Um, I mean, his his weekend didn't stop there. He's a very busy guy, Dave. On Sunday night, as Mick Bauer tells me, half an hour into into the Marseille game, Jonathan Pierce gave a detailed description of a dream he'd had about having Jorge Sampaoli around his house for a meal. Is this a cry for help? <laughs> Jonathan Pierce is really letting loose these days. Are we are we seeing like a bell curve? <laughs> Jonathan Pierce's ex- expressiveness, because obviously we had the Capital Gold days, then we had his kind of mainstream taking things seriously phase. And now I feel like he's just—he's he's like a footballer in his late thirties. He's just—he's just—he's just cruising through it now, isn't just he? Just enjoying himself, I think. Yeah. And the sounds of it. Commentating with a smile on his I face. I would like to have heard a bit more detail about the dream. What were they eating? What were they talking about? What music was playing in the background? Presumably. Old Casey Musgrave or whatever her name is. I wouldn't want to serve Jorge Sampaoli a substandard dinner. He would go, he would go crazy. He'd be pacing around the dining room, furious, furious. Uh, but Nick, um, I believe you have a third chapter in the Jonathan Pierce weekend. Yeah, on uh, Five Live during the Arsenal and Crystal Palace game on uh, Monday night, he commented that um, he, he said something along the lines of, "People forget that Patrick Vieira used to be able to put himself about a bit." <laughs> and I just kind of thought, well. No, 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 no one, no one forgets that. Surely that was one of the key characteristics of his game. But it also kind of prompted the question: What is the characteristic of one player that you are least likely to forget? Well, I mean, like I don't, I don't know, Julian Dix. Few people remember, of course, that he had a hammer of a left foot. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's an it's an interesting cousin of the. You know, some people forget he's still only nineteen. Dave, I mean. I mean, maybe the, have the streets forgotten about Patrick Vieira? Is, is, is that what Jonathan Pierce is suggesting? Because once the streets forget about a player, we know that it's a lost cause, don't we? Well, Ben White never even knew who he was in the first place. <laughs> and we've come full circle. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? Fantastic stuff. But yeah, um, Jonathan Pierce really do keep it up. Um, expecting an angry email from him in two days' time. Um, anyway, thanks to you, Dave, for joining us. Thank you. Thanks to you, Nick, also. Thank you. We'll see everyone on Thursday for a, um, a lovely slice of Mesa Harland Dicks. Cheerio. The Athletic. <laughs>